0: God, we thank you that you are a living hope. God, you've done all the work that is necessary in order for us to have hope. And so, Lord, today as we just come before you again, and we just ask again that you would show us something new about yourself. Show us something about who you are that would change us from the inside out. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for all that you do for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Crosspoint. You may be seated. We're so glad you're here today. Hey, like Pastor Jim said, um, we're so excited for the launch of our summer gatherings for young adults. So if you are 18 to 30-something, single or married in grad school, or the workforce, come out. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of uh, great times this summer. And we launch uh, this Tuesday at 730. So we'll make sure to be a part of that. Do you know that there's this passage in Scripture... That is so popular that it's permeated culture. Like even if you're not a Christian or follow Jesus, there's this, this passage of Scripture just like will always show up in movies, in songs, in books, in conversations, It's in speeches. It's referenced in literature and even recited before uh, sports games. You know, for instance, in 2021, before hitting the game-winning field goal to upset the number one-ranked Alabama, the Texas A&M kicker Seth Small said before the game he recited this verse over and over and over and over again all night, and he said it gave him comfort. You know, it, it's featured this this verse in this passage. It's featured in the movie Titanic. It's being read aloud as the ship is sinking. This verse was even referenced heavily in the Coolio's 90s rap classic Gangster's Paradise. Something this crowd knows very well. This passage was read by George Bush when addressing a shocked nation after the 9-11 attacks. You know, it's probably the most well-known passage in the Old Testament. And there are so many people who know this passage but there's so many people who don't really believe this passage and know it to the core. Because how many of you know there's a difference between knowing something and being transformed by this? From knowing something and really knowing it to your core. In this passage that we're going to look at today, this passage is so, it, it's such a unique gift that gives people comfort and peace to people who feel as if they can't make it. This is a passage who gives people peace and comfort to people who feel as if their enemies are like closing in on them, who feel like death is at their door, and when all hope seems lost. And today we're going to look at this passage as really such a gracious gift from a gracious God to a lowly people. And King David wrote this psalm, and during the 70 years of his life, David saw incredibly high highs and incredibly low lows. David, he was anointed king as a as a child. It was amazing. David, he he, you know, we all know the story that he killed a giant named Goliath. David was he was victorious in battle after battle after battle. It was said about David that he was a man after God's own heart. That's awesome. It said in David, he, he was beloved, but David also had, he did not have as many great things happen to him as well. David, um, you know, David was kind of unjustly chased out by the current king of Israel. He became a man on the run, a fugitive from the kingdom in which he loved, that he knew he was going to be the next king of. David like, lived for many years as a fugitive. David uh, was someone who, uh, you know, it wasn't just the evil people around him that, that caused him a lot of grief. It was sometimes his own as a result of his own sin. And David, he, we heard the story of he, he took another man's wife and he got her pregnant. He tried to cover it up by killing him. And then his baby died as a result of it. You know, David, was he also knew the grief of what it meant for a son to betray him. His son tried to overthrow him and kick him out of the kingship. David knew what joy was, and he knew what grief was. And it is in this backdrop of, the, of David's life that he writes Psalm 23. And he writes Psalm 23, knowing what has happened in his life, but also discovering the truth about the God who was with him through it all. And David writes Psalm 23, and chances are, if you're here, you've heard this before. Yeah. But let's not be so familiar with something that it loses its power. Because this passage has the power to transform you. This passage has the power to, to wash over your soul and to renew you and to give you guidance and to carry you through some of the most difficult seasons of life. And this passage shows us that God so desperately wants to be close to you. So if you're in here today and you need some peace and comfort, you feel like the walls are closing in, you don't know what to do next, let the words of this psalm wash over you. Let's read it together in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Do you know that whether you're religious or not, you have a shepherd? You all have this, this set of beliefs or something that is guiding you that you were looking for looking to towards, uh, per, for protection and other things like that. Some of you, your shepherd is your intellect. Your shepherd is your money. Your shepherd is your family. Your shepherd is your job. And the problem with that is that all of those things, every other thing that we could look to to lead us and to guide us, they all leave us wanting more. Have you noticed this? Have you noticed that there's always more money to make? Have you noticed that there's always like a new level that you need to get to? Have you noticed that this relationship is just like, once you got that thing, there was like another thing. It was like, oh, there's all of a sudden a new level that you didn't know about and you needed to get to that. It's like the person who's like, okay, they they have to get the boyfriend because they know they want to get the, the husband. And after they get the husband, then they get the house. Then after the house, they have to get the dog. And then after the dog, they get the baby. And then they want to upgrade the house. And so if you're in Southern California, you move to Tennessee. There's always something new. There's always something extra that you have to get. And listen to this in contrast to these other things that guide you and lead you that always leave you wanting more by the way God David is saying right here the lord is my shepherd i lack nothing the lord is my shepherd i shall not want this is the foundational like piece of psalm 23 this sets up the rest of the chapter it's amazing in Psalm 23, because the Lord is my shepherd, the ramifications are vast. If the, David said, because the Lord is my shepherd, I don't need a thing. And you know, maybe you may not have everything that you want in life, but because you have God, you don't need anything else. This is one of the foundational truths about God. And this trips a lot of people up. Because they, a lot of people don't want to follow God because they feel like this is like, well, if, I, I, it's either like I'm choosing this or this. And in a way, yeah. Because when you, when, you, when you follow God, you are actually acknowledging that God is the only thing that is going to fulfill you. He's the only thing that is going to sustain you. He's the only thing that's going to bless you. All these other things, they may be good gifts, but they make terrible gods. They make terrible shepherds. This is the thing that is going to, to, to be with you and sustain you. And what we don't realize sometimes are the people who are afraid to like totally give everything over to God because I might have to sacrifice a lot. I may not have to get this new thing or to be in this new level of something. What you don't realize is when you actually let God be your shepherd, you actually, um, the thing that you sacrifice pales in comparison to what he gives you. It's like a kid who's like holding on to his McDonald's Happy Meal. And his dad's like, I'm going to take you to a steak dinner, man. And the kid's like, I don't want to do it. We we so like we're so good at like holding on to like what we want, not knowing that the thing that we want will keep us wanting. And the thing about God being our shepherd is that we won't need anything else. You know, God has so many great things for you, and He wants you to recognize that His goodness is all you need. And unfortunately, so many of the times. We have to, so many of us have to like lose everything in order for us to really realize that God is all you need. You know, I've had friends who didn't really care much about God. They were around God a little bit, but you know, went to church sometimes, but they had this relationship and this guy was dating this girl and everything was going really great and all of a sudden the girl broke up with him and he spiraled and he didn't know what to do and he was just at his wits end. And it's, he, in this season of like really just sorrow and, and like, I can't believe this happened, God met him there. And he realized that, man, in this backdrop of losing the one thing that I had like everything, I put all my stock in this, I realized that it's God is the one who will never leave me. And I can have relationships, I can do all these things as, as a result of being totally satisfied by God. And when you do that and you put things in a proper order, you can enjoy them to the fullest. And here's the thing that we know, when you go through tension or trouble or transition, how many of you know that you're more inclined to hear from God? Like when things are hard, that's when we want God to speak to us the most. And I wish it wasn't that way, I wish it was, like, the problem is when it's really good, we just kind of, like, forget about God. We don't really acknowledge him as much as we need to. The thing about these, these things that are difficult is that they, like, reveal this greater need. It's almost like the blinders get taken off for a second. And you're like, oh, my word. God, I needed you. I need you. You know, a lot, I know... Um, the same thing happened with my friend who lost his, this really good job. He didn't know what to do, and he was like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm like devastated. He was spiraling, and he real, God met him in his spiral, in his devastation, and he realized that God is the security that I need. I put my hope in my job and the money that I have, but, it, but ultimately, God is the one who's going to protect me. He's the one who's going to keep me secure, And they told me, they look at these difficult moments in their lives as really an act of the grace of God to reveal the truth about him. And to reveal the fact that when God is all you have, you realize that God is all you need. And when God is your shepherd, you won't need anything else. Another thing I love about how David writes this first part is that he, the fact that he said, he didn't say the Lord is a shepherd. He said the Lord is my shepherd. This is a big difference because there's a big difference between having a shepherd and having my shepherd. In the same way, there's a big difference between a dad and my dad. You want to be with your dad. You want to have your shepherd. And listen, guys, the God who created everything, the heavens and the earth, who is so cosmically greater than us, chooses and allows us to call him ours. This is who God is. He's not far off. He is your shepherd. He is your God. He is close to you. He knows you by name. He's interested in you. He loves you. And he could be doing anything else in the universe right now. Do you know that? But God chooses to guide you as a shepherd. Close. So if he is your shepherd, what is the thing he makes you do? What is the next thing? The next thing in verse 2, it says, If the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. You know, my, uh, my daughter Eleanor is a, is a year and a half. She'll be two in August. And um, there's a thing that my wife and I make Eleanor do. We make her do this. If you're a parent, you, this is something that you, like, you know that you make your kid do. They don't want to do it, but you have to make them do it. Otherwise, it's not going to be a good day. Um, you know, we, we make Eleanor take a nap. She doesn't want to. But we know if we don't make her take a nap, it is not going to be a good day. We know that the best version of Eleanor is not the sleep-deprived version of Eleanor. You know, like the Incredible Hulk, who always says, you won't like me when I'm angry. I feel like every toddler in the world says, you won't like me if I'm I'm sleep-deprived. It's horrible. It's not good. And it's interesting that the first thing that God does as our shepherd is he makes us do something. Like some of you guys in here don't want anybody to make you do anything. But God as our shepherd, the first thing he does is he makes you, what does he make you do? He makes you work harder, try more, be better. No, that's, no. He makes you lie down in green pastures. The thing about God that's so interesting is that, so much of him shepherding us is not us, like, trying harder and doing more. And his instruction to us that he is, like, really making us do is, like, you need to just relax. You need to sleep. You need to know that I have everything in control. And the prophet Elijah experiences this kind of shepherding from the Lord. You know, and, and Elijah had this great moment of like victory on Mount Carmel where he challenged like the false god Baal and like fire came down and like destroyed everything and like the, god, the Lord God won and he was like so jazzed because he was so pumped about Israel turning away from this, this, this evil king and queen and, and rejecting all the, the things of Baal and turning to the Lord God and he won, like he was victorious but the people didn't turn and the king and queen were still in power. They didn't overthrow the evil king and queen. They didn't turn totally to the Lord. And Elijah heard back from the evil queen. And she said, before the day is done, Elijah, if I, I'm not going to go to bed until Elijah is dead. And Elijah was just, if you ever like put all of your effort into something and like all your eggs in a basket and you do it and it doesn't have the outcome that you, ha- that you wanted, this is the way Elijah felt. And so he just started running away, and he ran, and he ran, and he ran. And he got to the point where he looked at the Lord, and he said, God, just kill me. Kill me. I don't want to be here. Kill me. And he was so exhausted, he fell asleep. And he says, the angel of the Lord woke him up. And sitting next to him was some bread and some water. And the angel of the Lord said, Elijah, take this and eat it. So he ate it, and he went back to sleep. And the angel of the Lord touched him again and said, hey, the journey is too much for you. You need to eat this and drink this. And so Elijah did. And it was on, the, on this backdrop where God began to restore Elijah. The story is incredible. You should read it but God began to restore this man who was on the brink of total defeat. God, kill me. And we live in a culture right now that is so fast-paced, so moving, so anxious, so depressed, so suicidal, and we believe the lie that just keeps saying, work harder, try more, do more, and if you don't, there's going to be someone who come in and behind you, and they're going to take your spot, and they're going to they're take everything that you've worked for. But we follow a God who says, I know there's a lot going on. I know you're tired. I know you're anxious. I know you're stressed. I know you don't want to rest. In the same way, a toddler who gets so worked up can't go to sleep. You guys know about this? God just says, I'm going to lead you by green pastures and by still waters. And I want you to lie down. I'm going to make you lie down because that's good for you. And you need to know that I've got this. I have everything under control. God's the only one who can truly calm you down to sleep. And, you know, the only way that you can sleep is to know that you're secure. Like, that's the reason we live in houses and lock the doors. You know, we know, like, okay, if we, if, as long as all the bases are covered, I can, I can, like, be okay. And I can truly sleep. But when you... Follow the Lord's instruction of of lying down. What you're doing is you're acknowledging, God, there are a lot of things that I cannot control, but I know that you are in control of everything. And so I will sleep. I will rest, knowing that I don't have to hold everything together. You're the one who holds everything together. And he says, "Stop, stop working and just trust me. And it's during this process of resting that God begins to revive your soul. When your soul is sorrowful, obey the commandment to rest, to lay down, to go by green pasture and still water. When your soul is sorrowful, He'll revive it. When your soul is sinful, He'll sanctify it. And when it's weak, He'll give you strength. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The next part of the verse is, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. You know, the primary job of a shepherd is in, the, in pasturing his flock was to lead his sheep the right way to food and to water and to fend off predators. And the shepherd was responsible for the welfare and the safety of his sheep. And the thing about God being your shepherd is God will always lead you away from sin that will hurt you and destroy you and fracture you and towards righteousness. And he doesn't only do this. Get this. He puts his name on you. Like he gives you, he gives you his stamp. He, he puts his name on you. And God is motive, not just motivated to lead us to goodness and righteousness and wholeness, because he loves us, because he does love us, he's also motivated to continue to lead you and guide you. Because he's staked his reputation on you, he he's adopted you. He he looks at you as his children. He puts his he puts all of his his reputation on you. You know, it's like it's like uh, if you ever if you ever like if you, maybe if you're not good at cooking and you're partnered up to make a dinner with Gordon Ramsay, <laughs> even if you're not good the dinner's probably going to come out better. Why? Because the reputation of Gordon Ramsay's on the line, and if he's on the line, he's going to take control, and he's going to do it and help it get get to be good. And God, he is so committed to, to guiding you and directing you and leading you, not just because he loves us, but because he has skin in the game. He He's put his name on you, and even if we fall He's so motivated to pick you back up because he wants you to experience all that he has for us. It's truly amazing. Even though we fall and mess up, he'll never stop leading and guiding us. In verse four, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. One of, the mo- one of the most unavoidable parts of life and the pains of life is that death touches us all. We can't avoid it as much as we try. We, we're really good as a people to like pretend that death doesn't happen and we don't think about it until like, we absolutely have to think about it. And the reason we do that is because we're afraid. We're afraid of death. And the promise of the good shepherd is to not is not a promise of avoidance of the hard things of life. The promise of the good shepherd is that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to be afraid because God's got his rod and his staff. He's got got the guiding tool and he's got the protection tool. And there's stories of David as a shepherd, as a young boy, guiding and protecting his sheep. David is notorious one of the great stories we hear about his, his younger days was literally like rescuing a lamb out of the mouth of a lion. And like he killed the lion and the bear. That's crazy. Like that's insane. I've, I've seen lions and bears. And I've never once thought, I think I could take them. But David, he killed them. Listen, I'm sure his sheep, after they saw David snatch one of their own out of the mouth of the lion, they're like, this guy's good. <laughs> this guy's, I think we'll be all right. And I'm sure as they walked through the difficulties and like the, like I'm sure the areas that they were scared to go to before because there was hardship and difficulty and maybe more bears and more lions, I'm sure they kind of walked to the strut. be like, come at me. I got David here. You know, uh, in the movie, The Lion King, when, um, uh, big fan of Lion King, wow. Um, <laughs> when uh, n- uh, Simba and Nala are like surrounded by hyenas, remember this? And then like, m- m- you know, Simba tries to like muster up this like big, huge, the loudest roar that he can to try to scare the hyenas off. And the biggest thing that he could muster up is like this kitten, <laughs> and the hyenas is laughing and they're like, do it again. And then he like musters it up again and he opens his mouth. But instead of like a kitty cat roar, all of a sudden you hear this like heart pumping roar of an adult male lion. And all of a sudden you see Simba's dad rush in and he like wipes the floor with these hyenas. This is what it's like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with the good shepherd you know that you, are, you don't have any ability to do very much in the valley of the shadow of death. In fact, you're pretty prone to death in the valley of the shadow of death. But the reason you're able to walk through it, and the reason that we can walk through the hardest things in life, the stuff that's like that doesn't make sense that we could walk through it, is because we have a good shepherd who protects us and he guides us. When God is your shepherd, you need to know that he's more powerful than anything even the shadow of death no one beat it no one no one beat death ever in the history of the world except jesus jesus was the first person to come up against death and come out victorious over it and because he's come out victorious over it we can look at death and not be scared we can look at death with confidence knowing that our shepherd has taken care of it come at me death i've got a good shepherd who will guide and protect in verse 5 it says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know if you're in a if you're in like an active war like an active battle um, the last thing that you're going to be doing if you're hungry is setting the table. You know? Can you imagine if you're surrounded by enemies on all sides? And you get the table out, you get the chair out, you know, you, you you get the nice you get the nice china, you put it on the in the thing, and then you get the decorative napkin put it on the left side, you put the fork on that side, then you get the knife and you put the knife and then the spoon and you get the good glasses, you get the flour and put it in the vase and put it in the center of the table. And then you make like a nice slow roast. No, if you're in the middle of a battle, you're, you're finding the most secure little spot. You're getting small, and then you shove some food down. God is our shepherd. says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He, if God is your shepherd, then you actually have the power, or he has the power to prepare a table and invite you to eat an unhurried meal. You know, what this doesn't say is that God will totally take out all of your enemies all the time. And you'll never have enemies. And here's the, the reality. Jesus had, if Jesus had enemies, you were going to have enemies, all right? He was perfect. And if Jesus is following you, enemies are going to come. And the thing about Jesus being our shepherd is that in the midst of the battle, God is able to slow you down enough to where you could eat as if you were at perfect peace. Not because of the situation around you, but because of the person who's preparing the table. Because he's greater than any enemy that you currently have. He's greater than any enemy that you're going to have in the future. Are you getting the type of shepherd that our Lord is? So much of this is like, just, just relax. I know it doesn't look good. Just relax. I, I, seriously, I'm with you. I know it's scary. I know there's a bunch of people who hate you over here. Just relax. I've got it. God wants you to rest in his power, in his strength, in his ability. He prepares a table before us, in the presence of our enemies. The next verse is, as you anoint my head with oil, My cup overflows. In the ancient Jewish world, anointing someone with oil usually meant that you had one of your best days of your life. Like that was a sign of blessing and honor. It was most likely, uh, you know, and the, there's an ancient custom of hospitality and respect shown to esteemed dinner guests. If you invited someone of very, you know, uh, this person you was, was of high status and you want to make sure that you bless them, you would anoint their head with oil, kind of like as a signify of like, man, we're so grateful that you're here. You're the guest of honor. And David writes about God as if we are the guests of honor. He anoints our head with oil. David was anointed with oil when he was, when he was established, when he was, when he was uh, um, you know, his king when he was little. Like, that was a big deal. You know, it's, it's incredible to, that David regarded himself as the Lord's special guest. And I think many people in the Christian life, they, they feel as if they're uninvited to the Christian life. And they feel as if they've barely made it. Like, they kind of, like, they you know, cease to get degrees. You know, it's like, I, I slipped in. You know? And they treat it like a club where they're just like, I'm, I'm just hoping to, like no one notices me here. I just, I just, I, w- I won't make a fuss. Don't worry about it. But here's the thing there's no spectrum of Christianity. There's no, like, the, you know, have everyone, has anyone ever asked you, like, how Christian are you? <laughs> you know, that doesn't, that doesn't make a sense because either you've been forgiven by Jesus or you haven't. Either you have him as your good shepherd or you don't. Either you've been changed by his mercy and grace or you haven't. And if you're in here and you've been changed by his mercy and grace and you don't feel like you're invited, know that we serve a God who anoints our head with oil. He knows that we're here. He's happy that we're here. He invited us here and he blesses us so much so that our cup overflows We cannot contain the amount of blessing that God has for us. You know, the good things in your life are not a result of you being good. The good things in your life are a result of God being good and just showering his grace and mercy and blessing over us. They're a result of a generous God who anoints our head with oil and blesses us far beyond we deserve, so much so that our cup overflows. In the last part of Psalm 23, it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever you know when God is your shepherd two things that will follow you always are goodness and mercy how many of you in this room just by show of hand need goodness and mercy in your life good that's the appropriate answer You know, it's like, a pres- it's like the president who never goes anywhere without his bodyguards. If the, if the Lord is your shepherd, you can never go anywhere without the goodness and mercy of God. Even on the hardest days when it doesn't make sense and it doesn't look like anything good or merciful can come, goodness and mercy are close. On good days when it's easy, you can, you can actually see the goodness and mercy they're always here. And listen to this, guys. This is not a matter of optimism versus pessimism where you just try to find the silver lining in everything and the, and the pessimists hate the optimists because they, just, they don't feel like they can see the reality of what's going on. This is not a matter of that. This is a matter of reminding yourself that when life hurts, that there is real power in resting in the truth that if God is your shepherd, either you believe this book or you don't, Either if he is your shepherd, then goodness and mercy will follow you. Even when the unthinkable happens. You know, when I was in college, one of my friends died. And at his funeral, I remember we were in a big line to go see his family, and I was just like, what do you, what do you say to the parents? Like, what I, I was just like, what do I do? And I saw like this, this incredible family that I didn't know super well. And When I got up there, I just kind of like, like, you know, you're like practice what you could say. And then you get up there and I'm just like, I didn't have the words. And then in the midst of like me trying, like crying and not figuring out what to do, the dad of my friend just like hugged me and said, thanks so much for being here. We're so happy you're here. We're so glad that you knew Josh. This was, this was so great. And he's, he's smiling and he's crying. He's, he's comforting me. And I'm like, I'm supposed to come for you. What's happening here? It was like this big moment that marked me. I was stunned. He was grieving and he was comforted at the same time. Goodness and mercy followed him even to the funeral of his son. And here's the best news. If the Lord is your shepherd, this is not all there is. It says, Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the good news about the Good Shepherd. He so helps us on our journey in life, but we know <laughs> that the journey is not over when life is done. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What gave my friend's dad the ability to look with joy? And peace during the most difficult time in his life, he knew that this was not all there is. And he knew that one day he would join his son to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you get why this psalm is read in so many places? Do you get why it's read when all hope seems lost? Do you get why the psalm is is so like repeated when people need peace and comfort? Do you need help today? Do you you just need peace? Do Do you need the Lord? Do you need someone bigger and better and stronger than you to take control of whatever situation that you're in right now? Are you ready to establish God as your shepherd? If that's you, then today you need to surrender to Jesus. You know, 14 generations after David wrote this psalm, in John ten ten, Jesus came and he was talking to a group of people. And what did he say to the group of people? He said, "I am the good shepherd. Jesus is this one who is who's, who is guiding us and leading us. He's the reason we don't have to want anymore. He is the reason that we can be okay when all else seems lost. And listen to this: if Jesus is your shepherd, you don't need anything else." You can lie down. If Jesus is your shepherd, you can lie down and rest and even eat, knowing that he's in control. If Jesus is your shepherd, you can live whole and holy lives. If Jesus is your shepherd, you can go through the hardest thing in life and still be okay. If Jesus is your shepherd, you will live with an awareness of his overflowed blessing. If Jesus is your shepherd goodness and mercy will always be close. And if Jesus is your shepherd, you will live forever with him in heaven. So is he your shepherd? Maybe some of you in in here today, like you're not just, you're not totally sure. You don't know for sure if Jesus is your shepherd or not. Can I just implore you today, can you just like mark this moment as like, I, you know what, I was unsure. I didn't know totally. I, I don't know. Like if someone asked me how Christian I am, I don't know what I would say to that. Can I tell you that today you can clear everything up? And today all you have to do is to begin a relationship with Jesus. and Do what Romans says. Romans says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's, that's what it is. For It is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you were saved. Get this, for all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't have to do a lot of things in order for God to save you. You just have to acknowledge that he is the only one who can and ask him to save you. So I want everyone to bow their heads as we close. And for anybody in here who is like any sort of wondering if they are where they're at with God, mark the moment today. I'm going I'm to pray a prayer that you can join with me. And this is not a special prayer. This is just trying to get you to, to, talk, to talk to God. And if that's you today, we're, we're all praying for you, that God would actually be your shepherd and you would experience the joy and the peace and the goodness and mercy that comes when he's leading you. So pray this with me. That's you. Dear God, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've messed up. I know that I've fallen away from you. I'm sorry. God, I, I believe that you died on the cross for me. God, I believe that you raised Jesus up from the dead. And God, I accept his invitation to life. Would you guide me as my shepherd all of my days and help me dwell in the house of the Lord forever when I die? And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And if that's you today, don't leave this place without marking the moment. If you have your connection card, you just you just write on there your name, and then I I today I accepted Jesus as my Savior and we want to partner with you and show you what it means to have the Lord be your shepherd. And for those of you today who have the Lord as your shepherd, let's take comfort and know that goodness and mercy will follow us always. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.